famous last words, eh? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Minister to us. Today, Father, I pray that we would know what it is to be in the presence of our Heavenly Father on Father's Day. That you would love us, that you would strengthen us, that you would minister to us, and that you would encourage us. You are the great shepherd. We are your sheep. And so we just ask right now that you would speak in such a way that we would hear and follow and that you would bring pastoral care to our hearts and our lives through your word today. God, we acknowledge that you are the God that created this entire universe. Nothing is impossible for you. And so, Father, we acknowledge that it's even possible for you to change the climate temperature of this room. And we ask that you would do it for our benefit and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Psalm 121? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I'm sure you agree that Psalm 121 is beautiful. It is just an amazing psalm that is quoted a lot. And I don't know about you, but often when out driving or out walking about, enjoying the phenomenal scenery that we are blessed to live within, there are moments when you just look around and instantly hear these words ringing in your spirit. I lift up my eyes to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. I lift up my eyes to the breeze. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's beautiful. There's always when we come to look at a psalm, we always begin by examining the title of the psalm. And the title is normally the small print that is found underneath the number, normally in italics. And that tends to tell us who wrote the psalm or when they wrote the psalm or what the psalm was written for or the purpose that it was intended to be used for. And in this case, Psalm 121 is described as a song of ascents. And the main reason for this is because this is a psalm, this was a song that was intended to be sung as pilgrims made the journey to Jerusalem. That as they made their way and ascended towards the holy city, that these words would have been sung. And you can see just how powerful that image must have been of people making their way up towards the Temple Mount to singing the song, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. But another reason 
kind of loosely as to why it also can be referred to as a psalm of a sense is because this psalm employs a poetic technique where a word or phrase at the end of one line is then picked up and used again at the beginning of the next line that's called anadiplosis. And it's often referred to as this stair-step technique because one theme is introduced and then built upon in the next, which is then built upon in, in the next. And we can see it when you go through the psalm. We won't go through it all, but you can see it where it starts with, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from is how the line finishes. And then the next line begins with, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then it goes on to the next one. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The line finishes. And the next line begins, he who watches over Israel will never sleep or slumber. And you can see this the whole way through the psalm where it's like one idea and concept is introduced and then it's reinforced and built upon and then it's reinforced and built upon and then it's reinforced and built upon. And what happens as you journey through this psalm is it builds hope within you. It stirs up something. Each phrase or stanza or verse just stirs up something within you, and it does cause us to, in a sense, ascend. It lifts the mood. It lifts the spirit. It takes us higher in Him. It takes us deeper in our affection towards Him. And the psalm opens with an iconic question. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Now, this verse is actually quite important for opening up the rest of the psalm and unlocking it to us. Because the question that is asked here helps us to understand the position of the psalmist or the position that he is taking us to as readers as we, as we read it. And he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? If he's lifting his eyes up to the mountains, then that would suggest that he's at the bottom of the mountains. It's no rocket science, is it? That would suggest he's at the bottom. If he's lifting his eyes up towards the mountains, and it's not just one mountain, but it's mountains, then that would suggest he's at the bottom. And if he's at the bottom of mountains, then that would then suggest that he's in the valley, where mountains meet. At the bottom, we refer to as the valley. And the valley in the Bible is a metaphor that is used for hard and trying times. It's used to describe the worst seasons of life and the experiences that normally take place within it. The psalmist is lifting up his eyes to the mountains that suggests he's in the valley. Does that perhaps call out the application for this psalm? When we can use it, when we can lean towards it. However, if this psalm is a psalm for the pilgrim and is one that is to be sung by pilgrims making their journey to worship God, then it brings with it another application. Because every year, God's people would have traveled from their homes, wherever that was, to Jerusalem to celebrate one of the major festivals. And making the journey by foot along treacherous, uninhabited pathways meant that travelers often faced many dangers. Robbers were known to hide in caves or, or in the cliff face or, or on the mountains, knowing due to the timing of the festivals exactly when people would be traveling along that way. And certainly we get a hint of that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, don't we? Where the priest is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he's attacked by a band of robbers that strip him of everything and take everything and leave him vulnerable and for dead. And I guess for these robbers, guys, this was like a good season 
Because if people were traveling, making their pilgrimage from their towns all across the country, perhaps even from other countries, then it meant that people would have traveled with pockets full of cash to pay their temple tax, to buy their sacrifices or sacrifices fitting, to bring their tithe to God, to bring their alms for the poor. So these people were walking targets, laden with bounty. And many on that journey felt vulnerable and exposed, not knowing what dangers the hills and the mountains around them would hold. And tradition has it that as people traveled, they would often sing. They'd sing in their journey to drown out their worry and to hide their fears, because there is something about singing that lifts the soul. And for some of us, there's something about the way that we sing that would cause people to run from us rather than at us. So you can understand that. But this, this psalm being written as one that's supposed to be sung on this journey is particularly important because it repeats the concept of God watching and God keeping individuals. It was a fitting song to sing to encourage the fearful soul. And the idea presented to us here in the question and the answer of the opening verses of a traveler, and he's looking round the mountains, and he's looking round the hills, and he's keeping his eyes peeled for hidden danger, and he's asking the question, on this journey, where does my help come from? As I'm looking for trouble and keeping my eye out for danger, Where's my help come from? If you've ever been in those situations where you feel a little bit vulnerable walking into a situation and you're looking around for a friendly face or to understand where help is going to come from in this moment if you need it. That's the picture that's conjured up here with this psalm. But the third possibility, the third possible understanding of this is quite different from the other two. Because the mountains that perhaps the psalmist is referring to are the mountains of Zion, the mount upon which the presence of God is, and therefore where his help is found. And the Hebrew that is used for the phrase, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, or lift up my eyes to the mountain. The Hebrew phrase there talks about looking with longing, looking with desire. And it fits then the idea of the pilgrim traveling for festival celebration. And it carries that concept of uh, of as they approach the city, they lift their eyes up to the mountain where God is and look with longing and desire to be in his presence and, and to be near to him and to be close to him. Three different positions we've just called out. And maybe your mind is picking the one that you think makes the most sense. But the beauty about God's word is that the truth of this psalm can speak into all of the situations that we've just outlined. The psalm speaks to those of us in the valleys of life. Those of us who are in the hard places, in the difficult experiences, those making the sore journeys and having to navigate the worst pathways of life. If you're in the valley right now, looking up at life, feeling small and vulnerable and exposed, this psalm is a word from God to you. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But this psalm also speaks to those that are journeying through life with worry as a companion. Those who fret over the unseen, the uncertain, and the unsure, the the worries of what's round the corner, the fear of what might happen next, the concern for what life might hold. None of us knows what tomorrow can bring. 
Our worlds can be turned upside down for good or for bad in one unpredictable instant. Today can be better than yesterday, but it can be worse than tomorrow when we have no power to know or to control what it is we're going to feel, what it is we're going to experience, and what it is we're going to journey through. So if you are traveling with uncertainty, if you're traveling with fear and worry as your companion, this psalm is a word from God for you. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But equally, this psalm speaks to those who are looking for God, those who are seeking and pressing into Him, desiring Him, those for whom it's not necessarily about journeying with uncertainty or about being stuck in the valley. It's just about trying to find Him in the current, trying to find Him in today. Looking around, kind of going, hello, trying to see where He is, trying to see what He's doing, trying to sense what he's saying. And if you're looking for him and you're trying your best to connect with him, if you're in the, I'm just getting on with life and hoping to find God somewhere along the way, this psalm is a word from God for you. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Wherever we are, this psalm speaks to us. Whether we're in the valleys, whether we're journeying with uncertainty and fear about tomorrow or because of what we know is ahead of us or because of what we know we're going to need to face or because of the stuff that we're carrying or whether we're just a bit numb to God at the moment and we're looking around going, where are you in all of this? What is going on right now? I can't quite see you. This psalm speaks wisdom to us and it calls out to us and its call is this, fix your focus. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. He lifts his sight, his gaze from where it is to something higher. He fixes his focus. And whether this lifting of the eyes towards the mountains is due to the valleys, whether it's looking for unseen danger, or whether it's longing for God, the result is that the psalmist's eyes and the soul's of the psalmist arrives on a major truth that becomes the theme of the entire psalm. He lifts up his focus. He fixes his focus on this. The crosshairs of his soul fasten in on this truth. His help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. And the fact that this truth that is called out at the start of the psalm, this truth that his soul becomes consumed with, then is the theme that is unpacked throughout the rest of the psalm, does suggest to us that this is exactly what his soul has focused on. He fixes his soul on this one thing. He does not deviate from it, and that is that his help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, the Hebrew word that is used here for help, in its nominal form, appears in the Old Testament just 20 times. And from looking at those moments, we've come to recognize that this word help doesn't suggest assistance. You know, like I helped an old lady cross the street with her shopping. Or I was passing by as someone dropped something, so I stopped to help. It's not this concept of coming alongside to provide assistance. In 13 out of the 20 times that this Hebrew word for help is used, it's actually used to describe God's ability to save and to deliver. It speaks of his salvation and it speaks of his deliverance. And when it's combined, as it often is, with the word shield, he is my help and my shield, then it's not only come to denote God's ability to deliver and to save, but to protect entirely. The word shield, 
it doesn't appear in this psalm in Psalm 121. But when you read through it, the help that is described by the psalm as being provided by God does describe to us protection and shielding. He's not going to let the foot slip. He's going to be the shade. He's going to keep from all harm. It carries this concept of shielding and deliverance. So the psalmist fixes his focus on this. He sets his sights on this truth. God is his salvation and deliverance and his complete protection. And you know what? Allow me to speak directly and to pastor from the pulpit this morning. If you hear nothing this morning, hear this. God is your salvation. He is your deliverance. And he is your complete protection. And the psalmist not only focuses on this, but he actually takes that a step further by describing to us that the God who is his deliverance and his salvation and his shielding protection, he is actually the maker of heaven and earth. He describes to us why his help comes from there and why he is his shield and protection and deliverance. And it's because he's the maker of heaven and earth that is little comfort or hope in the belief that God desires to help but has no power to do so. That doesn't provide any comfort. That we believe that God wants to help, but he doesn't have the power to provide it. So the psalmist tells us, the God who provides the deliverance and and salvation for the psalmist, well, he is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the God who stands over creation as its maker. He's the God who stands over even the heavens as it's their source. And if he is the maker and creator of heaven and earth, then heaven and earth are just a lesser expression of his power. In other words, he's greater and more powerful than them. And that means that he is capable of delivering saving and protecting from anything that they could throw at us. He is our help because he's the maker of heaven and earth. If he made them, he's in power and control over them, which means there is nothing natural in this life that can be thrown at us. There is nothing spiritual that the heavenly places can throw at us that he is not able to save us from, deliver us from, and to protect us completely from. So the psalmist fixes his focus. He lifts the eyes of the soul to fasten, to fix, to focus entirely upon this truth. God is able. Whether you're in the valley, whether you're traveling with uncertainty, whether you're looking for, seeking, trying to find God on the pathway right now, pause. Lift up your eyes. Shift your gaze just a little bit higher. Lift from what is to what is above it all. Fix your focus on this. Your God is able. The God to whom you belong is able. He is able to deliver. He is able to save. And he is able to protect and shield. And again, being personal, he is able to deliver you. He is able to save you you and he is able to shield and protect you in fact according to the scripture he is able 
to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine, which means he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever talk about, more than we could ever preach about, more than we can ever get our heads around, more than we could ever grasp. Our God is able because he is the God who stands over heaven and earth as its maker. He is the source of their existence, and he's the epitome of power and might. He is able. The psalmist fixes his focus on the ability of God as the maker of heaven and earth. And while he calls out that he stands over creation, he's also quick to call out that he doesn't stand aloof. He's standing over distant from us. But he's willing to intervene in life. He desires to help us. And the psalmist tells us, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And in this moment, he calls us not just to fix our focus, but to fix our focus on our guardian. Because the psalmist now introduces the phrase that is repeated over and over within this psalm, and that is that God is watching. And the God that watches over you and the God that watches over me does not slumber. In fact, we're told he doesn't slumber nor sleep. You're kind of like, these two words mean the same thing. <laughs> in my mind, I look at it and I think, well, slumber is when you kind of doze off for a little bit on a Sunday afternoon or maybe on a Sunday round about now, you kind of doze off into a, a slumber for a little bit. It's a temporary thing, whereas sleep is like going into a deep sleep. But whatever way you look at it, the God who is watching over you and the God who is watching over me, he never sleeps nor slumbers, which means he's always alert. And it might seem daft to us to think that God is sleeping, but it wouldn't have seemed daft in the time and the custom of the Psalms. In the ancient Eastern culture, they have multiple gods and multiple deities. There was often this belief of gods who were sleeping. If you think of it in terms of Elijah and Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, and he's taunting them going, oh, is your God asleep right now? Because he went to the loo, <laughs> like... But it carries this concept within this culture that there was this belief that gods were those who were to be roused and awakened in order to demonstrate their power. We needed to rouse them. We needed to bring sacrifices. We needed to chant. We needed to call out. We needed to, to beat ourselves up. We needed to, to cry out in such a way that it would awaken the God to display his power. And the truth is that often when in the myth, Often in myth, when they were awakened and roused, the demonstration of their power was never positive. But here is the thing. There is never a moment when God sleeps. He doesn't nod off and he doesn't zone out. He's always alert, always awake, always aware, always attentive. And the amazing thing about that is that his lack of sleep never diminishes his power. When we're running on empty, when we're running on a lack of sleep, we're normally quite weak and normally very grumpy. And we take faces off of people and we're cut with, I mean, obviously you would never do that because you guys are dead spiritual. And I'm saying nothing about my wee life that's not in the room right now because she's in the foyer. But normally when I'm running on lack of sleep, my patience is thin and my temper is quick. And I feel weak and tired and lethargic. But here's the thing, there is never a moment when God is in a bad mood. 
There is never a moment when his temper flares up towards us. There is never a moment when he takes the face off us. There is never a moment when he is weak or feeble. Because there is never a moment that he sleeps. And there is never a moment that he is not able to help. He is the guardian that watches over us. He sees, he knows, he hears, even when we think others don't. Even when it feels like no one else sees, even when it feels like no one else hears us, no one else notices us or notices the trial or notices what we're going through, he sees it. He hears it. He knows it. He gets it. He understands it because he never zones out. He never turns off. He never stops watching. So he never stops seeing. And he is able to guard and protect you and he's able to guard and protect me because there is nowhere that we can go and there's nowhere that we can be and there's nothing that we can do or experience that is out with his watchful eye and out with his loving care. But let's be clear. God watching over us is not the passive activity of a deity or a higher power just observing from on high, just looking down and seeing but carrying no consequences. You know, a bit like when we watch the football on the telly and we watch it and we shout at the telly and we tell them what they should be doing and how the decision of the referee was wrong and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't make the blindest bit of difference because they don't seem to listen. It's not this concept of a God that watches on from on high, but there's no consequence to that. No, God is watching over us. He's looking down and he will not let our foot slip Again, drilling down on the Hebrew use of the phrase foot slip, it's not actually about tripping or, or losing our physical footing. Just four times in the Old Testament this word is used. And it denotes judgment, oppression, and moments of personal weakness. So actually this is about God intervening on our personal journey. It's about his intervention on the journey of uncertainty, that when we journey through the stuff of life, when we journey through the stuff that life throws at us, when we journey through the storms and the tribulations, when we journey through the stuff spiritually that comes against us, none of that will ever take us out because God is watching over us and he won't let our foot slip. None of it will remove us from the pathway of purpose. None of it will stop us crossing the finish line of faith because he who began the good work in us is faithful to complete it. He works in us. He journeys in us to, to journey us across the finish line of faith. He gets to work and he, he holds things back and he moves things out the way and he, he keeps us and he upholds us to ensure that nothing that we face will ever take us out from his plan and his purpose. Now, let's be clear, the psalmist doesn't suggest in this psalm a life's journey that's free from pain or difficulty or tribulations. In fact, nowhere in the Bible is that ever promised. But what is promised is that when we journey through that stuff, we will be upheld. In fact, we will be held. We will be carried. We will be kept. Jesus says to us, in this world, we will have trouble but don't fear because he's overcome it all. And he holds us and he keeps us and he makes us more than conquerors in every situation. 
we will face unseen and uncertain trials and tribulations, struggles and difficulties. But the God who is our deliverance, our salvation and our shielding protection will keep us, sustain us and bring us through. Psalmist says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Scripture says the Lord is your shade at your right hand. He doesn't say the Lord is at your right hand side. It's not that we should all turn and face the right when we pray and worship to inter intercede and to connect with him. It actually says he's at your right hand, which means that he's right there. If you're journeying through the valley, he's right there. His rod and his staff are your comfort and your protection. If you're facing uncertainty and fearful about tomorrow and what the future holds and what you're about to head into and what it is you have to navigate through and, and what it is you have to pass through, well, he's right there. He's at your right hand. And he says the waves won't sweep over you and, and the fire won't burn you because... I'm with you. When you're in the season where you're looking, going, where are you? What are you doing? Do you even hear me? Do you even know? Let me tell you, he's just right there. Because he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you even to the end of the age. He is right there. He journeys with us every step of the way, he is at our right hand. But the question that comes to my mind is, what's up with the left? Why did they pick the right? Is it he's got a thing against left-handed people? But it's not. It's because in the biblical days, the soldier carried his shield in his left and his sword in his right. And when they journeyed, a soldier would always journey with a companion at his right to be the covering for the area of vulnerability. Scripture says the Lord is your shade at your right hand. He is your covering. It doesn't matter what situation you go into, He is covering you. He is shading you. He is shielding you. He's got you. He's covering the area of vulnerability, the area that you're exposed. And even if you take that analogy further, if the sword is carried in the right and he's at the right hand side, then it suggests us that not only is he our covering as our shade, but he's also fighting for us. He fights on our behalf. And the psalmist says, He's your shade, so. You will not be harmed by the sun by day or by the moon by night. It's that he will cover and protect you in every season and every experience of life. He is the all-encompassing, protecting God who fights for you so that no weapon formed against you will prosper or stand. God is the protective shade the protective shield over all your life and that's why the psalmist says 
the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Wherever you are this morning, whatever it is you're going through this morning, if you're in the valleys and you're facing some of the most difficult stuff in life, lift up your eyes, fix your focus, because the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth, is your help. If you are journeying with uncertainty, if you are facing some stuff and you don't know what is ahead and you don't know what's around the corner and you're not sure what's coming along, if you travel with fear and worry as your constant companion, lift up your eyes. Your help comes from the Lord and He is the maker of heaven and earth. If you're in this moment where you're going through life and you're just feeling a bit numb and you're grand old Duke of Yorking it because you're neither up and you're neither down, and you're trying to find him and trying to know where he is, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is right there. He journeys alongside you and he'll never let you go. He is your shield. He is your help, which means he is your salvation and your deliverance. And he is able to keep you, to protect you. In fact, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask him to do or ever imagine that he is able to do. He is able to do exceedingly more than that. So lift up your eyes. Fix your focus. He is able and he is with.